it's a universal thing. I mean, everyone has at one time or never thought of the concept of time travel. It's an interesting topic, and from a scientific perspective, it's certainly something that perhaps in the future might be more than just science fiction. I mean, we all obsess about, am I going to get to work on time? Am I going to do this, that? What time is it? I'm late. I'm early. Do I have enough time to do this? I mean, that seems to be all we ever stress out about. Do I have enough time to make the money I want to make? It all has to do with the desire to control the one thing that we can't, and that's time. You can't hold time in your hand, but boy, does it influence your life. Think you think about this too, Mary. Um, when you were when you were a teenager and uh, they had the steam powered cars. <gasps> you ever- oh. oh, Tim, you're my witness. Oh. You heard that, didn't you? Oh, I heard it. <laughs> okay. Bazinga. You know, we live in a three dimensional world. We know that we have movement. We can move across space in a certain sense. And. I can go to New York, and you can walk across the room, and those are spatial experiences. But uh, we don't feel the same way about time. I think we just really feel like it controls us, and we don't control it, and that makes us really angry. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Banal of America Audio, with your host, Tim Banal. What is going on, my friends? This is Tim Benal of BenalofAmerica.com with another edition of BOA Audio Season 7. I hope you all are having a fantastic holiday season. It has been way too long since you have heard from me, so let's get cooking on the latest edition of BOA Audio. This time around on the program, we are going to be exploring the nebulous topic of time travel with longtime friends of BOA Audio, Marie Jones and Larry Flaxman, authors of the new book, This Book is from the Future, which is a top-to-bottom look at time travel, the theories behind it, the conspiracies, the paradoxes, and the pop culture, which have shaped the perception and power of time travel for decades, if not centuries. For those folks who are familiar with Marie and Larry's many, many appearances on the program in the past, you know that essentially once we get talking, the playbook gets thrown out the window, the notes get torn up, and the conversation just goes wherever it may take us. So this is a very loose conversation where we ponder the nature of time itself and deal with issues such as whether quantum time travel discoveries can be used to develop a system for humans, time travel paradoxes as well as conspiracies related to the phenomenon, how space may prove to be a pivotal challenge to overcome when it comes to unlocking the secret of time travel, and much, much more. And we'll also delve into the duo's new work, which looks at reality as well as a number of side roads and tangents on ghost hunting, ancient aliens, and politics. Altogether, it is a highly conversational edition of the program, which contains a myriad 
of laughs, musings, and speculative discussion featuring the always entertaining para-explorers Marie Jones and Larry Flaxman. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Marie Jones and Larry Flaxman, please allow me to provide you with a little background on them. Marie Jones has been involved with the paranormal in one way or another for most of her life, which led to a fascination with quantum physics and the writing of her book, Science, How New Discoveries in Quantum Physics and New Science May Explain the Existence of Paranormal Phenomena. Marie is also a New Thought-slash-Metaphysics Minister and Spiritual Counselor. She holds a Master's Degree in Metaphysical Studies and has also studied Wicca, Goddess Traditions, Mythology, and Comparative Religion. She worked as a field investigator for MUFON in Los Angeles and San Diego in the 1980s and 90s, and she is also the author of the book 2013, The End of Days or a New Beginning. Her website is www.mariedjones.com. Larry Flaxman is the founder and president of the Arkansas Paranormal and Anomalous Studies Team, RPAST. He has been actively involved in paranormal research and investigation for over 10 years and melds his technical, scientific, and investigative backgrounds together for no-nonsense, scientifically objective explanations regarding a variety of anomalous phenomena. He has appeared in numerous newspaper, magazine, radio, and television interviews, and has authored several published articles regarding science and the paranormal. His website is www.rpast.org, and you spell that A-R-P-A-S-T dot org. Collectively, Marie Jones and Larry Flaxman are the authors of a number of books, including 1111 The Time Prompt Phenomenon, The Resonance Key, The Deja Vu Enigma, The Trinity Secret, and their latest book, This Book is from the Future. Their website is www.paraexplorers.com. Pretty simple, all one word, paraexplorers.com. Check it out. And with all that said, my friends, let's get down to business and rock and roll. This interview was recorded on November 1st, 2012. Marie Jones and Larry Flaxman talking about time travel on BOA Audio Season 7. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of BOA Audio Season 7. Tonight on the show, we've got some serious, hardcore, longtime BOA Audio friends. Marie Jones, of course, many folks know her. She's actually making her sixth appearance on the program here this year, and Larry's making his fifth appearance, Larry Flaxman, and collectively together they're appearing together for the fourth time on the show. So they're veterans of BOA Audio, and as I said, longtime friends and huge supporters of the show. I'm sure you're familiar with their books, 1111, The Time Prompt Phenomenon, The Trinity Secret, and The Deja Vu Enigma as well as many others, and their new book is titled This Book is from the Future, and it delves into the uh, tricky topic of time travel and all that entails. So I'm very excited about it, read the book over the past couple of days, really enjoyed it quite a bit, and have spent the subsequent time trying to wrap my mind around all the information that I learned uh, from the book. As usual, the para-explorers, as they're called, Marie Jones and Larry Flaxman, provide a wealth of information in this new book and uh, really 
as always, a tremendously enlightening tome from the both of them. So it's exciting to have them back on the show. It, it couldn't be a season of BOA Audio without Marie Jones and Larry Flaxman. So welcome back to the show, guys. It's great to have you back, and I'm really looking forward to catching up with you and uh, chatting for this evening. Good to be back. <laughs> it's very good to be back. <laughs> it's good to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, since now, Marie, you mentioned when we were setting this whole thing up that uh, they, they got they, they since, since we're kind of getting meta here and talking about how you guys have been on the show a bunch of times. That, uh, they, they got a little, uh, you got, you got some hate mail from the last time you guys were on the show. Oh, what, what is this all about? Some guy, and I, I wish I would have saved it. I could have read it. Larry probably still has it. No, no, I deleted it. Um, emailed me and just went off on me for, and Larry too, because it was a show that we did together on how arrogant that, that we were and how I put myself on a pedestal above everybody and was bad-mouthing everyone in the paranormal community and who the hell did I think I was and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, it, it just one of those. Ridiculous. And of course, I'm thinking, you know, wait a minute. Do that with me for judging other people, but you're judging me? Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, exactly. So, That's part and parcel in the paranormal community. But Exactly. It's like, dude, I'm sorry. You know, we tell it like it is and... I don't recall mentioning any names, but if you'd like us to, we will. <laughs> oh, God. Well, yeah, the, he was uptight. Well, you know, the truth of the matter is, and I mean, I'll say it right here on the record, I pump you guys up every time you're on the show because you guys do some tremendous work looking at subjects that nobody else is looking at, and you don't write these fluff pieces. You write serious, in-depth, well-researched books on topics that no one's writing about, like right. the, like the eleven eleven numbers aspect of that whole thing, the Trinity secret, and this new one, and deja vu. I mean, come on, these are topics that everybody finds interesting, but no one's writing about them, and you guys are not just writing about them, but researching them and putting out awesome books. So, you know, thank you. <laughs> you should be on a pedestal. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know what. Dang it, I belong you know. on one. You know, <laughs> uh -oh. Give me that crap. Uh oh. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Well, as I said in the intro, uh, the new book, it's titled, This Book is from the Future. Where where did the title of this book come from in the first place? I find it sort of uh, it, it, it interesting. It's tough, I guess, to come up with sort of a time travel book name in general, but it's, it's unique. Actually, the publisher came up with it. Wait, it Wait. actually it came, it came from the future. Yeah, that's true. Larry found it on his doorstep one day. It was FedEx yeah. from the future. <laughs> it was signed from our publisher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John, uh, what's his name? John Teeter. <laughs> oh, there you go. You. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, we had a couple of different titles, and um, the, our publisher, New Page Books, on this book came up with it. And at first, you kind of look at it and think, huh? <clears throat> but it is kind of clever. Yeah, it grows on you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very clever. People get a kick out of it. Yeah, yeah. I liked it a lot. It does. It does. It's sort of like... Especially the way it's written on the on the cover of the book, it catches your eye. Yeah, it's a great cover. It it's very yeah. eye catching. You know, because you, you immediately want to like pick it up and be like, "What the hell is this all about? What, this, <laughs> what are they talking about?" What the hell? <laughs> so, what made you guys? As I said, you've you've dug into all these sort of uh, arcane. That may not even be the right word, but sort of like they're not they're not the tent poles of the paranormal. They're right. They're so, if anything, I think they're sort of like the foundational aspects of the paranormal that people aren't really spending enough time looking at. Like I said, the, the numbers and deja vu and now time. It's like, yeah. what made you look at time? Because it's such a elusive thing. It's so difficult to conceptualize. And you, you can't even, like, 
You can't obviously you can't stop it. You can't capture it. You have you're always we're all, we're, we're at the whim of time, if you will. So, you know, what made you guys decide to look at it? We we don't have enough time. I mean, that's that's pretty much a universal. I mean, how many times have you ever thought how cool it would be to be able to go back or forth in time and, and be able to witness things that have occurred historically or change things that you regret from the past. Um, it's, a, it's a universal thing. I mean, everyone has at one time or never thought of the concept of time travel. I mean, it, it's, it's just a, it's an interesting topic. And from a scientific perspective, it's certainly something that perhaps in the future might um, might be more than just science fiction. Well, we also felt too that there were there wasn't a definitive book that the normal person could read and and understand the science. I mean, everything out there is like so difficult. To, it gets into such deep physics that it gives you a headache. And we wanted to try to at least provide some of the science, but not so much that people would just get lost and decide they didn't want to finish reading the book. <laughs> Well, yeah, you want to give people the framework so it's applicable right. to, to mm-hmm. what you're talking about, but also you guys tie in a whole bunch of other stuff that, oh, yeah. you know, I think yeah. that maybe someone writing a hard science book on time travel, they're not going to get into stuff we're going to get into tonight. Like the par- Well, they'll probably get into paradox, but maybe not the conspiracy theories and the right. crazy oh, urban legends and stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, we wanted to really cover everything because time is involved in so many different things. We don't even understand what time is, so we really kind of started it off with, uh, you know, where are we at scientifically with our understanding of time? Is it fixed? Is it fluid? Mm-hmm. Um, are we perceiving time, but outside of the human body, does it operate the same way? So we kind of had to lay that foundation first. And then we really wanted to just explore everything that had to do mental time travel. You know, that's a big one. How we may already be time traveling, even though we may not do it physically. Right, right. We'll talk a little bit about sort of what you were saying there about the foundational aspect of time, because I find it interesting. Like I said, it's really hard to conceptualize in a lot of ways, because it's like, is is time a human construct? Is it an earthly construct? If people are living on Mars or something, their whole idea of time may be completely different than ours, never mind people that live in alternate dimensions or parallel right. universes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. I mean, time is, is definitely a, a human construct. I mean, we... We use the concept of time to be able to track events. And, you know, it, within the natural world, there is no such thing as time. I mean, there, there's certainly a progression, but there is no, there is no linear idea of time like, like what we've conceptualized. Yeah, and I mean, at the quantum level, there's no past, present, and future. It all exists at once. And at the cosmic level, same thing. So you have to figure that we... We perceive time in a past, present, future, sort of the arrow of time in a linear fashion so that we can have a life and we can give meaning to the events that occur in our lives. But, you know, you think about animals. Do they wear watches? No. I mean, they're aware of the passing of cycles and they're aware of time in a way, but they're not, they don't obsess over it the way that we do as human beings. Right. I like that, Mary. Obsess about it like we do. <laughs> well, don't you? I mean, we all obsess about, am I going to get to work on time? Am I going to do this, that? What time is it? I'm late. I'm mm-hmm. early. Do I have enough time to do this? I mean, that seems to be all we ever stress out about. Do I have enough time to make the money I want to make? It right, all has right. to do with the desire to control the one thing that we can't, and that's time. Right, right. I, I look at it almost akin to, like, mm-hmm. gravity. It seems like it's another sort of thing that both the, you know, the great minds have tried to, 
to unlock and control yet remains this constant that we still really have no overall total understanding right. of. Yeah, I mean, you can't yeah. hold gravity in your hand. You can't hold time in your hand, but boy, does it influence your life. Exactly. It's tricky. It's very perplexing. I, I give you guys kudos for tackling this because I think I would have started on it and then been like, I don't know where to even. <laughs> you know, we actually have to say this. We actually did that. <clears throat> we were supposed to write this book quite a while ago, and um, we started it, and we just felt like, you know, if we stick to just the straight science, there's really not enough. We wanted to be able to get into some of the more unusual aspects of time travel and the paranormal aspects and the conspiracies. So we revisited it later with our publisher, and they said, sure, go ahead, let's do it this way. So it really makes for a much more well-rounded book, I think. It's more interesting. Oh, it's a fantastic book. I really did enjoy it quite a bit. I mean, like I said, uh, it's hard to find good books covering these fringe subjects out there. So every time you guys put out a new topic, I'm like, wow, how did they even come up with this one? So Well, we're just bored out of our skulls with ghosts and UFOs. Really, <laughs> my God, especially ghosts. Yeah, we just, well, and we have, we have so much time on our hands, too. <laughs> yeah, well, some of us do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know where you're, what you've been up to, Larry, but come on. Yeah. But, you know, it's like if I hear the word ghost hunting or paranormal one more time, I'm going to pull my hair out. And it's just... Marie, we can't talk about that tonight. We um, don't want douchebags calling or emailing us again. Oh, God. Exactly. I mean, but most of the books that are being put out there are just, you know, more of the same. My experiences as a ghost hunter. My paranormal experiences. Well, that's great. But how different are your experiences from the other 2,000 books that are out there? And Right, you know, right. It, it's just the desire to keep pushing the outside of the envelope and, and see where all of this leads. And I think ultimately, our next book, we're getting down to the real nitty gritty. We're getting down to the absolute basic, most fundamental question, and that is, what is reality? Whoa. Because if we don't, and I don't know that we can ever really get it, although we'll try, <laughs> but if we don't really start looking at that, how the hell are we supposed to understand things that seem to operate outside of, you know, reality or in right. other realities. I mean, I don't understand why more people aren't trying to, to look at this. Look at reality? Oh, yeah. We don't even know if our experiences are really happening. I don't know that I'm talking to you guys right now. You could be figments of my imagination. You know, and there are there is a theory of reality that states that nothing exists outside of your consciousness and your perception. Yeah, and, and and you know, I want to know is that real? Because if it is, I'd really like to change some of the things that I'm projecting <laughs> out there. I mean, come on. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that goes back to what I, I think I mentioned this to you guys in a, in a previous show, where it's, it's sort of, and I think you said that there is a, a theory that that sort of revolves around this idea that, like, when you're born, all of the past is actually like some construct of your of your creation, if you will. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like right. all the, you know, the Civil War and, and the yeah. World War II and all that stuff like never actually happened. Like the right. world actually it's began when, when you were a born. Collective story we all buy into or something. Right, know? right. I mean, wow. So you're getting even into even stickier areas here with this reality stuff. Well, I mean, I don't think Larry and I are going to solve the question of what is reality, but I think what we want to do is try to get as close to understanding, you know, there isn't just one reality that we exist in. Yeah. So everything that we call paranormal, how is it influencing and interacting with our 
physiology, with our environment to create a different reality? And, and how do, do those realities connect to each other? And, you know, what are the triggers between one level and another level? So I don't know that we'll ever be able to say, well, here, guys, we figured out all of existence. Now you can all just go to sleep. <laughs> um, but it came out of our work in the paranormal, you know, the desire to kind of go beyond, well, does it get cold when there's a ghost around? And, you know, <laughs> really try to take a look at, well, what are all the different factors that, that occur on the interior and exterior that lead to this stuff? And is it going on in this level of reality or in another one? And it's sort of like leaking over. So mm, Interesting. Wouldn't you say, Larry, that's a good way to describe it? Yeah. I'm going to see if he's paying attention. Oh, she's testing you, Larry. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Larry, are you there, buddy? Well, I am. Okay. Yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, I don't know. What did I say? Repeat it back to me. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe he is a figment of your imagination. I think he is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Well, I, I thought it was interesting in the book uh, that you guys talk about how the literature about time travel, the fiction and all that stuff, uh, H.G. Wells and, and – um, you know, I'm now, now I'm drawing a blank, but oh uh, God, Dickens, yeah, and uh, um, the guy who uh, Rip Van Winkle and all oh, that yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, sort of predates so many of the them. the scientific interest in time travel, and and actually mm-hmm. sort of spawned science looking at time travel as a possibility. It was sort of like maybe it, it was sort of bubbling under the surface, and then these right. writers wrote about it and and sort of kickstarted sort of an interest in in time travel by by scientists. I thought that was pretty interesting because yeah. you just don't I think really that's consider how it that. Works. I mean, look at Star Wars, Star Trek, Doctor Who. I think writers tend to look where other people are not looking, so they start to see things and write about them, and then the academic and scientific communities jump on board, say, hey, you know, I wonder if there's something to these ideas. Of course, they'll never admit that that's where they get the ideas, but I really think they do. (laughs) And on that note, too, I thought it was interesting that, you know, when you run into subjects like we were talking about, like UFOs and ghosts and stuff, you're rarely going to get more than sort of a snarky answer from some of these some of these big name scientists and stuff. Right. And what I found interesting from the book was that you get a different reaction when it comes to time travel. I mean they they at least treat the possibility or the concept with some modicum of respect, which I thought was oh, was surprising and 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 refreshing. Because you're, we're talking about people like Einstein and Hawking and Sagan who are, you know, who at least gave credence to, to looking at it with an open mind, which is a far cry from the paranormal. Yeah. Well, I think it's because there is a basis of solid physics, even though it's theoretical, you know, behind time travel. And maybe not so much with ghosts and UFOs, but <laughs> we don't know that yet. I mean, that's really what we would like to find out. I think there's a science to everything. I think Larry kind of feels the same way, but I do. I feel like I'm talking too much, Larry. No, you're, you're doing a great <laughs> job. I'm just listening. I'm waiting for the opportune moment to jump in. All right. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm trying to set you set you up here, Larry. So jump in. <laughs> jump in when you can. Yeah, don't right. let me be the over talkative Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get down to something that kind of stuck with me, and maybe we can use this as a sort of uh, as a germination point for more more discussion. And that's that you know over the course of the book, you talk about a lot of, of this quantum research that's going on, and how 
as you said earlier, you know, on the quantum level, time doesn't exist, and there's no past, present, and future, and, and you know, they're, they're finding remarkable and, and, dare I say, supernatural abilities oh, yeah. of these tiny, tiny little particles, um, you know, right. like this, this thing about neutrinos and how they can do these amazing things. But as you point out in the book, you can't build a time machine out of neutrinos. No, no, and, it, and that's just, it's a suggestion that if you can do something at the most fundamental level, which would be the quantum level, you know, can you someday do it at the, the bigger scale, the cosmic scale? I, I think that's our fascination with what goes on in the quantum world. It's like, well, if it's possible at the most fundamental level of reality, then it should be possible on a bigger scale, the human scale. But how do we figure that out? Do you really think so, though? Because I almost find myself disagreeing, I guess, with that point of view. Maybe I'm, I stand in opposition <laughs> to science, but to me it's like just because a photon can do something crazy doesn't mean that a cat can do it. But what are we made of, you know? Yeah. We're made of particles. and I mean, for me, you know, and this is just my personal opinion. I'm not going to speak for Larry or anybody else, but I feel like anything that's possible on one level is possible on another level. I mean, if you can figure out the engineering on a bigger scale, some of those theories involving how you get a particle to be bumped into the past or future should be applicable to getting an object that is made up of a bunch of particles to do the same thing. Uh, but that's, you know, that's my opinion. I'm not saying it's based on right. pure science. It just makes sense to me that if you can make something happen with one photon, if you've got a zillion of them together, you know, uh, can you somehow get it to behave the same way? Right, right. Maybe I just have my, have a hard time wrapping my mind around it. But to me, it seems <clears throat> like it can't be like like we're limited by being flesh and blood, that we're limited by yeah. sort of oh, being this connection I mean, I, of all these yeah. little I things. So. I mean, I can't turn into a duck, no matter how badly I'd like. Well, then again, though, see, I cannot say that with 100% certainty, that I can't. <laughs> if I had, the, the you know, enough powerful thoughts and intentions and focus to do that, that I couldn't somehow rearrange my physiology <laughs> but i would say 99.9 percent i'm pretty sure i can't turn myself into a duck um but it's that unknown you know it's that little yeah. unknown that we and it's like every week there's some new article in a science journal or some new discovery new experiment that that sort of pushes it even further out you know in terms of what's possible we're putting a, a photon in two places at once we're we're teleporting we're sending it back in time, we're sending it into the future, we're changing its behavior back in time. And Okay, so if all of that is possible with a photon, in some theoretical way it has to be possible with a bunch of photons. If you can get them all into alignment and all working the same way, going in the same direction. You think it could be done? I, I do. I don't know. Larry, what do Larry, you think? Larry, what do you think? Well, I do. Um, I, I mean, I, I see your point, though, Tim, too. I mean, I, I kind of, it makes sense, both sides of the argument. But I, I think at this point, you know, rather than just the, the theoretics of is it possible to, to do it on a larger scale than just at the quantum level, I mean, for us now, I mean, the, the thing to comprehend is it's really more of an engineering issue than anything else. I mean, yeah. mm -hmm. if, if you look at the the idea that everything is made up of, of 
particles. And if we can somehow just even transport one particle back or, or forth in time, whatever, I think it's just a matter of, of the proper technology and engineering before we'll, we'll be able to do it on a larger, a much larger scale. Yeah. For, you know, you, you watch the old Star Trek shows and, and you see with the teleporters and, you know, sometimes the teleporter would malfunction and they would bring something back and it would be, you know, disfigured or whatever. I mean, it, when you think about things like that, I mean, yeah, there's logistics that go into it. Like a we fly. Are flesh and blood. Yeah. We're, just like the movie. Yeah, exactly. Just like the movie. Um, who was that guy, that weird dude that was in that movie? Uh, Jeff Goldblum? Yeah, dude, big eyes. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum. Um, you look at the logistics of that. I mean, yeah, we are, we are flesh and blood. There's a much larger scale there. There's, there's much more intricacy than just one tiny photon or one tiny electron or one tiny neutron, one tiny little piece right. of the puzzle. I mean, yeah, there, there's a, there's a complexity to it. And I think if we ever get to the point technologically where this is kind of child's play, I, I think, you know, that, that's just something that, that will be taken care of in time, and we will be able to do it. Well, it's interesting, too, because talking about this, it reminds me of a previous interview that the three of us had done where you, you almost have to consider – it's like spinning plates. It's like let's say they get the engineering of all this right. We still don't understand really like the mind and the soul. So right. we don't yeah. know necessarily <laughs> right. what we're going to be transporting around. Yeah, sure. You know, and, and at the same time that Larry and I are saying this, there is the possibility that we were never meant to do this, that we were not meant to do certain things as human beings, and, you know, that, that chickens were meant to be chickens and birds were meant to fly but not rabbits, you know. I mean, there is that possibility that we were given certain limitations for a reason, so that there could be a diversity to life. And I don't know, you know, we talk a lot about the paradoxes of time travel and the fact that if we could time travel at, at will, we probably would never be able to function. We'd always be bouncing between the past and the future. Who would stay in the present and really have a functional, meaningful, purposeful life? So it could be, you know, Stephen Hawking believed that there were blocks built into the universe, physical mm -hmm. blocks of a sort, that would keep us from doing it because we're not supposed to. Right, right. It would almost like uh, unravel yeah, yeah. The whole fabric of space and yeah, I mean protection mechanisms that may not even right. allow you to time travel in the first place. Exactly, yeah. Beyond sort of like paradoxes, where exactly. it's I don't know They're what you'd actually, call it. Yeah, but and it, it's frustrating because yeah. as human beings, we think we should be able to do anything. You know, ain't that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, it, it's interesting. I mean. Like I said, it's sort of it is akin to gravity, where it's like they've been trying to figure this out mm -hmm. for for decades, if not centuries, how how it all works, time and gravity, and, and it's interesting that we, right. these are the two it's things true. we still haven't really gotten a fix on yet. Yeah, I mean it's weird because you know time and space are really inter interwoven, and yet we kind of feel like we have a grip on what space is. You know, we live in a three dimensional world. We know that we have movement. We can move across space in a certain sense and you know I can go to New York and you can walk across the room and those are spatial experiences mm -hmm. but uh, we don't feel the same way about time I think we just really feel like it controls us and we don't control it and that makes us really angry <laughs> <laughs> which is why everybody we talk to practically 
would go back to the past and not the future because they want to go back and fix something. Well, that brings about all the the issues of the paradoxes and stuff like that, where it's where it's like you would like to go back and fix something, but it seems more often than not that's not an advisable exactly. scenario. You guys yeah, paint you a good picture of that in, in, in the book about the guy who you know misses the catch in this little league game and decides <laughs> to become a computer Our little story. guy and computer guru, and next thing you know he's living a great life. But if you go back in time and he makes the catch, then all right. of a sudden his life's yeah. not nearly as nice. He's a moron and an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't know if we could be making things worse. And, and also, we don't know how many other lives we'll be altering by going back and making a little change in our own. And, I mean, the more I think about it, the less inclined I would be to ever go back and change anything. I mean, it all got me here for a reason. I need to find out what that is. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, too, that, I mean, having read the book and, and having sort of looked at time travel, you know, in, in scant areas in the past, I I'm of the opinion that that whole idea that, like, you can't, like, go back in time, fix some mistake you made, and then come back to where, to the original timeline you were in. Do you know what I mean? It's like you can never, once you go back in time, you almost, you almost can't go back, ever. Well, yeah, yeah like, because, you split I mean, off to an alternate right. timeline. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like the butterfly effect. Every yeah. single little thing from that second on would be different. You could come back to your present and not even recognize it because of all that cause and effect that you changed with that one little, you know, the thing that you did, that you, you one regret that you fixed or whatever. You just, everything changed. You won't even recognize your present. That might be even kind of ties into what you're saying about how if we had time travel, there'd be nobody in the present because everybody would be in would you all be? these different timelines <laughs> that they've created. Seriously, I mean, would, you know, would you would you guys be in the present? No, nah, I'd go to I'd go back in time to do something, and then I yeah, couldn't get right. back. So that's right. you know, there'd be like be one like, oh, a man, universe. This day sucks. I want tomorrow to come. <laughs> I'm going into tomorrow. You know, we would. It's what an escape mechanism for if you're not happy with your present. And most people aren't. That's the sad part. Yeah, that's I think what this book ultimately became about. It's like, why are we so obsessed with time? Because we're not happy. You know, we're not happy with what we've done with our time. Because if we were, I don't think anybody would really want to go back. They'd be very, very happy with the progression of events in their lives. And, and it's the fear right. of death, that's too. Historical. That's the big one. You know, think about the historical aspect, too, though. I mean, wouldn't you, not to go back and change anything, but, I mean, think how cool it would be just to go back and, and witness historical events. I mean, I'd love to go back just to see, you know, the assassination of, of Kennedy or Lincoln or see the, the pyramids being built. I mean, things like that, I think, would be, that would be pretty sweet. It I mean, would, it would. Right. Except what if you went back and it was, like, totally not what you thought or boring or really disturbing? <laughs> <laughs> you could become, like, you could be like a like a time travel reviewer. You would go back in time, you would witness hey, it, yeah. then you'd come back and, like, yeah. write for the New York yeah. Times. Today we're reviewing yeah. 1942. History. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you could be like building of the pyramids, yeah. a total bore. I give it yeah. two thumbs down. <laughs> you guys, yeah. they really did slide them along on ramps. Yeah, you just like it was just thousands of slaves and it there smelled no terrible aliens. and it was awful. Yeah. Sorry, so. Giorgio, there were no aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, I think that would be fascinating too. But I don't know. I just it's sort of like leave well enough alone. 
Right, right. Well, there's two, there's sort of another idea that you guys address in the book, too, where it's like, there's there's this sort of idea of, like, physical time travel, like what right. we're talking about. And then, then you get sort of the idea of, like, this mental time travel, you know? Right. I mean, it might be possible, I think it may be more possible for us to be able to do that, like what Larry was saying, but almost like remote viewing in a sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I you can go back and view time. these sure. things, but mm-hmm. you can't actually physically go back there. Yeah, I, th- I think we're we're doing that now to a certain extent. I think the the mental concept of time travel is something that that people do experience. Well, yeah, I mean altered states of consciousness during meditation, yeah. and you know, I, I think there's a lot of ways that we distort time, or we have like mental time dilation that occurs. But because we're not doing it physically, we don't take it as seriously. Yeah, I mean, right. people time travel in their they I mean, sleep when they have a cognitive dream. Yeah, look at the look at the remote viewing experiment stuff that that the uh, CIA has been involved in back in, in the seventies and eighties. I mean, you know, outside of a, a small circle, I mean, that really hasn't gotten the the, uh, the public awareness or knowledge that you would think that it would for something as as potentially uh, huge as that would be. So yeah. I, I think you're right. I don't think it gets quite the same uh, attention that physical the physical right. aspect of it would. Right. Right. Yeah. That's unfortunate, but I've been puzzled by that myself over the years that, you know, we've known about this remote viewing thing for probably like almost 30 years now. And it's mm-hmm. it, no one, you know, most people in the mainstream, you know, the average person on the street has no idea what it is. And right. it's like, no. this is amazing. You should know about this. Right. I think that that may be the key to at least sort of uh, like an informational time travel. You sort of introduce that in the book, too. You talk right. about, you know, right. the possibility of sending information across time. That might be more plausible. Again, I go back to sort of the limitations of flesh and blood bodies and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. And I think we're just so obsessed again with the physical experience of time. And see, now, if you can physically time travel, that's something that you can prove to the guy next to you. Right. Because you could put him in the capsule and send him to the future of the past. But with any kind of mental time travel, including remote viewing, that's your experience. Now, the person yeah. standing next to you is not going to buy into it because they're not physically experiencing it. Well, and yet, you know, to you, for, it's real, you know? Just look at the uh, the psychic phenomena. I mean, to to a certain extent, I mean, the, the two things are very much parallel. I mean, you've got people that, that claim that they're psychics and, and believe they can make psychic connections to people and events, things like that. And then you've got people that are right next to them that, that say, hey, you're full of shit. Right. Because they're not able to experience the they're exact not, same right. level. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I think we're so materialistic, physical means more to us than anything we can do with our, you know, our minds. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And that gets back to time being this nebulous concept that makes it so difficult to uh, to really get across to everybody in a sense. Yeah. We talked somewhat here about paradoxes, but sort of give me a little thumbnail on, on the various paradoxes. Because everybody knows about the grandfather paradox, but there's actually a few other ones that I thought were interesting uh, that you guys talk about in the book. Overlooked paradoxes, if you will. So share you know, some of those. it's funny, though. They're all the same. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, really. Ultimately, it's like they, they're all the same. Yeah, they have like I mean, the, uh, end the result, yeah. paradox, the predestination. Um, Holchinsky. The many okay. use. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the yeah. many use the chronology protection. That's the yeah. Stephen Hawking one, the one that states right. that, you know, there may be blocks and protection mechanisms built into the laws of physics that keep us from doing it. But really the idea is all the same, that you cannot go back and do something. 
and then come back to the same existing timeline and have everything not be completely altered. You may not even exist when you come back. So they all kind of come around to the same right. conclusion. Um, yeah. Yeah. That ha- and, and the funny thing is, is that the solution to them all is the idea of the multiverse or the yeah. or parallel universes where you can have an, an alternate timeline that you can go back in and everything is the same when you come back to the present Right, right. That's that's what I thought was really a key aspect of the book is that you guys sort of differentiate that. I mean, there's right. there's the there's the idea of you know we, we talked about this sort of like the arrow of time, you know, the river of time that that there's just this is this one line that's sort of like the old school idea, and that's time. Right, right. And, and you guys sort of point out that maybe there's all these different lines, you know, all above above and below each other, you know, that all have different sort of situations and stuff like that. I mean, that's different from time travel. In yeah, the sense that you're not, I mean, you may be able to go to the, into the past of a different timeline. Right, right, right. You know. Right. But are you going to be consciously aware that you're doing that? I mean, because your consciousness would have to make that same leap. And so that brings in the whole question of, you know, are we already time traveling? We're just only consciously aware of one timeline at a time, the one yeah. that we're in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, did you ever watch that show, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago, Sliders? No, no, but the concept always Mm -hmm. uh, intrigued me. Yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah, that's always intrigued me too. I mean, the idea of being able to slide or to to travel among different timelines or different um, levels of reality, I guess you could say that, that to me, I don't know, that, that actually sounds more enticing to me than just the idea of time travel. I mean, it, it would be really cool to be able to go back and forth and, watch things in history and things like that, but being able to go to different realities, I don't know, that to me sounds like it'd be even cooler. Right, and then if you could come back to the one that you're in and everything is still intact, and you could kind of learn from, (coughs) excuse me, all the other levels, but not necessarily mess up the one that you're in. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Boy, we're asking for a lot here, though, aren't we? It's like, okay, I want to do it this way. Yeah. But, well, that seems more plausible than that there's just one timeline in, in right, total existence exactly. for everybody yeah, forever. That, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, really. Yeah. Although you go back and change somebody else's timeline, because that's exactly what you would be doing. Well, the, the the other thing is like, I mean, I don't know. It. Part of me, I, I guess, this is such a mind-bending conversation, so I hope people <laughs> can follow along to what we're, we're talking about and just sort of keep up with the insanity of the, of the levels of bizarreness we're getting into. But it's, it, I'm, you guys talk about it in the book and stuff where it's like, for each person, every decision or action you make could create a whole new timeline. Right? Uh-huh. right. But here's my question, because you guys have looked at sort of the hard science of, of the universe and, and now reality and everything. I know space is big, okay? But is there enough? <laughs> <laughs> for, like, I don't know how many people there are in the world. Like, anyone? Does anyone know this right seven off the top? Seven billion, I think. Okay, seven billion. Seven, so uh, yeah. I, guess, I guess the question is, right, as ridiculous as this may sound, is there enough space for all of the different realities that would be created by 7 billion people making different decisions every day. Do you know what I mean? Wouldn't something somewhere fill up? We're talking infinity here. We're talking, uh, you know, infinite time and space. It doesn't end. So wrap your mind around that. (laughs) 
I mean, Tim, you're thinking of things, I think, more from the physical perspective, really, than anything else. And this is this is one of those nebulous topics that, I mean, you could, you could go very far down the rabbit hole. Right. Oh, yeah. with. I make and myself nuts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, I mean, I, I think if you throw the physical equation or the physical part of the equation completely out and you just think about the the consciousness part of it, I mean, what if... And I'm just throwing this out there, you know, what if you're, when you're able to, see, I'm having a hard time even talking about this stuff because it gets so deep, but yeah. okay. imagine if if we are somehow able to travel between timelines or, or uh, different levels of, as Marie and I call the grid, whatever. What if it's not your physicality that does? What if it's just your consciousness, your your ego, your super ego? Maybe it's... You know, maybe there is just a the mental aspect of it, but the physical aspect stays in one one place. Right. You see what I'm saying, though? No, maybe, I see what you're maybe saying. Maybe it's just your ideas as energy that kind of float out there and go travel back and forth, and it really doesn't require any space. Well, isn't maybe that we're, we're kind, kind of what imagination is? Absolutely. Sure it is. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. So what if we're anchored into one reality, but maybe we're also living a lot of other realities at the same time, but they don't really require any time and space because it, it's not physical. We don't have to go phys- It's like when you dream, that feels just as real to your body and your brain as your waking state. Right. But you're, yeah, you're and, in other worlds, boy. I mean, yeah, and you have Marine, think about mind. that, too. When you dream, there really is no physical constraints or physical limitation on right, you're where you can fall. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, people that have had uh, astral travel experiences or people that have had out-of-body experiences – I mean, there, there's not any type of physical limitation on where where they go, when they go, uh, or anything that's really constraining them like a physicality would. Okay. So there's enough space for all those dimensions and, and <laughs> timelines. Infinite, infinite. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I just worry about us running out of space. Or banging into each other. It's like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people do think Cut that's kind of happening. Man, <laughs> that'd be road yeah. rage. There'll be reality rage, people <laughs> cutting each other off. Well, that was that. That's another thing that kind of came to me while we were talking about it. It's like if there are, you know, beyond sort of that crazy idea of like just billions and trillions of of, of alternate timelines based on all these small decisions that people make. Even if there are just a bunch of different timelines, you, and you said, you know, what if you went, you wouldn't really know if you were in a different one. <clears throat> If this becomes possible to travel to these other timelines and, and dimensions and stuff, we need someone to, like, map them almost. Yeah. We, we need, like, some kind of guide. Because Thomas it, Brothers, right. where are they? <laughs> but you know what we didn't mention is that it doesn't necessarily, like, the multiverse theory doesn't necessarily mean that the universes that branch off ever get out of a state of superposition. Because that requires observation. That requires some act of observation or measurement. So it very well could be that all of the different choices that branch off do other universes, those, it's just like this big state of everything and anything with all the potentiality. But until somebody actually observes or makes a measurement of one of those other universes, you know, you're, it, it doesn't really exist. Does that make any sense? That makes perfect sense, actually, because yeah. Yeah, we have to remember everything is is in superposition until you observe it into physical form. 
so, you know, I always had a problem with the multiverse theory because of that same thing. It's like, that's ridiculous. You mean to tell me, you know, just my decision not to go to the bathroom is going to branch off into 25 other universes. But really what it, I think it does is it creates a sort of, uh, you know, quantum void where all of those other possibilities can exist if I so choose to observe them into existence. If you can observe them even. Right, right. So maybe it's just like there's just big this big field of mush out there, <laughs> right? Waiting for somebody to actually give it some kind of um, physicality. I don't know. Well, that kind of goes into the to the idea of sort of mental time travel. Maybe they'll be maybe they'll develop some way where to use a less uh, like mundane sort of uh, example than Marie going to the bathroom. Cause I, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to extrapolate further on that one, but <laughs> you know. <Coffee. laughs> But it's like maybe they'll come up with some way of, of A, proving that these sort of timelines exist and then allowing people to mentally, like a, like a what-if machine. Right. You know what I mean? Where it's like you strap it on, you can actually see what would have happened if you had made these other decisions. Yeah. yeah. Without actually virtual, going and changing. reality thing, kind of. Right, right. <laughs> right. Boy, this like is a that. wild episode. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> folks. If you haven't smoked a joint yet before listening to this one, do so now. So yeah, really, we'll, we'll let you take a little break to go get one. <laughs> Fire it up so you can catch up. The book is amazing in that sense. It really gets you thinking about all this crazy stuff that is so far beyond Back to the Future that it's not even funny. That was a movie. <laughs> No, it had that cool car though. So yeah, I don't know. True. I thought it was clunky. The car was clunky, so or what? the movie was clunky. Yeah, both. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking well, of the, in the in third one. Day, the DeLorean was was a very uh, it was very much it was uh, a door car. Clunky, you know, it just wasn't real streamlined, or I don't know. Well, the DeLorean didn't last very long, right? Yeah, it's sort exactly. of like a like yeah. the, the well, it didn't last because the dude got busted for cocaine. Yeah. Oh, is that true? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It's not because the car was a piece of crap. It was just. Uh, but then the door. The DeLorean got busted for for selling coke. No, the door flipped up. Well, no, but I mean, did they have a problem with the doors like flipping up and coming off or something? I could swear I remember that. A recall. You would think that the, that after a while, the, the hinges and, the, and yeah. the wouldn't last very well. I'm gonna have to Google know. that later. A DeLorean recall, because yeah. I vaguely I might have been in another timeline, but who knows? Now, what about? Uh, I sort of focused in on some of the more. I wouldn't say paranormal, but let's just say uh, fringy elements of of the book. I really. I enjoyed the conspiracy theories on time travel section, but I found that most of them, actually I'll say, I'll say it, all of them were flimsy. I mean, yeah. there's just oh, nothing really in there that could hold water in, in my eyes as far as like no. the possibility of, of that there actually have been time travelers or time travel going on, even in, in secret government projects and stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. It's interesting, yeah. though, how many people would tell you otherwise. And really right. feel like, you know, they've, that not only is it going on, but that they themselves have been, <clears throat> excuse me, a part of it. But I think that's par for the course. You know, in anything, you're going to have that, <clears throat> that conspiracy element, certainly with time travel. Right, right. But it's even more, I, I guess, it's, I just feel like it's even more flimsy. Well, how do you prove it? It's like, right. show me. Okay, if you did it, you, you can't just say that you did it. Yeah. You've got to be – you can't make that kind of a huge claim, and especially when the most brilliant theoretical physicists on the planet are telling you, hey, we haven't quite figured out yet how to do this. 
you're kind of spitting in their face saying, oh, well, you haven't, but, you know, some some government goons figured it out. And right, right. Aliens told us how, which is, always seems to be the all-purpose excuse for, you know, when you can't explain how something happened. Well, the aliens taught us how to do it. Right, exactly. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, you make that point where it's like if, <laughs> if, if these titans of science can't sort of wrap their mind around it, then... How, why would we possibly believe the government, what do they have, additional titans that we don't know about? Like yeah, unsung titans that, <laughs> that that know what's going on with all this? That's like a cartoon, the secret government titans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is, you know, it's like, come on. You know, I actually had one person tell me that they thought that these theoretical physicists were in on it. They were in on the secret. They were in on the conspiracy. It's like, you've got to be kidding. You know, come on. I'll be honest, that thought crossed my mind during the conspiracy theory chapter, where it, brie- it briefly crossed my mind, and then I had the same reaction that you right. did. Right, I mean, it does like, briefly, it make because sense. anything is possible, and we really don't know. But at the same time, it's like, what what reason would there be not to have time travel technology made public? What would the yeah. reason be? Because we're stupid yeah. and can't handle it, or what? You know, I mean... Well, that part I do kind of agree with. I yeah. mean, I don't think the government would let us have just for what we said earlier. No one would get any work done. No one would. No one would pay taxes. They'd go back in time or to, and steal a bunch of money or something. It's, yeah, you know. I, I just I don't know. I mean, I would think there would be wars going on over that technology if it really existed, and, and <laughs> we're not over oil. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Larry, you're gonna say something there? Yeah. What well, you well, say? you know, no, I'm just. It's so frustrating just to listen to conspiracy stuff. Um, I like to hear conspiracy theories. I mean, they're interesting, but most of them are just so stupid. I mean, if you think about all of the – I'm not even talking about time travel or paranormal or – I mean, you look at all the conspiracies throughout history that involve the government, specifically the government. Yeah. The logistics that would be involved with keeping so many people quiet and keeping so many things under wraps from so many people. I mean, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. You know, 9-11, that's a perfect example. I've read all the stupid conspiracy theories about 9-11, how we were involved in it, how we did this and we did that, and the FBI planted uh, thermite in the towers, and, you know, all this all this crazy Larry, it was alien propaganda stuff. Yeah, I mean, but... It, People, I don't know, I don't understand that, Tim. I mean, people come up with this stuff, but they really don't think of the intelligence through it. They really don't actually think everything through, like, and use their the, the power of, of critical thinking when they're making assumptions about things. And I think it's the same with, with time travel. I mean, with some of these conspiracies. I mean, people just don't really think through everything that they really should. I mean, it's kind of like they just react. I will say one thing, though, Larry, that, you know, the, the, uh, was it Carl Sagan and Mitch Yukago, they both talk about, yeah. mm, oh, excuse my voice, you guys. It's okay, you sound fine. Um, <laughs> the different levels of, of, um, advanced knowledge and civilization and that how we're very primitive compared to a civilization, what, you know, type A, B, C, however they rate them. So, I mean, there is a part of me that feels like, okay, if we are considered a very primitive intelligence in the cosmos, and there are other intelligences out there that are way ahead of us, they, they've mastered this stuff a long time ago. So maybe we there is some of that truth behind the conspiracy. But at the same time, show me 
the proof, you know, because that makes a really great theory that there might be intelligences out there that are already time traveling. But I still yeah. want to see some proof of that, not just you going on coast to coast radio and saying this is what's going on. I want to see some proof. Right, right. right. Well, proof is the ultimate, uh, you know, fool's errand of the paranormal. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and we, well, know, really, of, of anything, not just the paranormal. I mean, any of these conspiracy theories. I mean, right. Kind of the well, I lump I lump conspiracy theory in with paranormal. I guess it's parapolitical, but you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Well, everybody yeah. loves a good conspiracy, and the thing is, where there's smoke, sometimes there's actually fire, sometimes. but sometimes. sometimes there's just smoke. People yeah. are blowing the smoke. Exactly. You know? Um, and it's really hard because, again, these could be people who have genuinely had some kind of mental time travel experience, and they misinterpret it as being real, and they're genuine in their coming forth and saying, I'm a time traveler, or I time traveled, um, but they actually didn't physically do it. Right, right. So it's like, okay, well, how much of this... You have to have discernment, I guess, and it, it gets hard because the Internet... Everything goes viral, and before you know it, people have added on their spin and and their information on top of what originally may have happened. And it's yeah, I mean, ta- yeah, you, you, you hit a nerve on that one because it, it seems like it's getting worse. If we're gonna get into if we're gonna get into bashing on conspiracy, we 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 don't need to rip on ghost hunters tonight, folks. We can rip oh, on conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> so, but if we're gonna, I mean, well, first of all, Larry asked why why these people sort of cling to these things. I think it's a combination of two things. I think it's A, they need to feel like they're in control. Oh, absolutely. And even if, even, yeah. or, or, you know, and, and, and I guess to extrapolate on that, it's like they're in, they're not necessarily in control of the conspiracy, but they're, you know. In control of what they think happened. And right. that comes from a general distrust of authority figures. That what you hear, what the media told you happened on that particular day. It's not the truth. And that's a, a knee-jerk distrust that a lot of yeah. people have. And, I mean, that's very sad, but that's the way it is. I, I tend to do that myself. I don't believe anything I hear unless I actually look into it a little bit. Exactly. And I can, And I'm not saying I know everything, but I think, you know, Larry and I, and, and you as well, we're sort of trained to look deeper. We're trained bullshit detectors. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And the other part of all this, I think, is that they there's, there's sort of like a need to always be right or a need to to be smarter than than everybody yeah, else. Yeah. I see that a lot from the sort of the the New World Order conspiracy type folks. Yeah. What you know? Where is the Illuminati? I keep hearing about these people, and and they yeah. never seem to do anything. What are they just like golfing or what? <laughs> It's a long, it's a long-term plan. Yeah, Marie, they're oh, acting it? behind the scenes and they're planning everything. Right. Yeah. So you don't, you don't see them on a daily basis. Well, they're not doing a Speaking very good job. God. Have you guys voted yet? Have either of you guys uh, early uh-huh. voted yet? I always yeah. vote early. I'll be voting on on voting day. Oh, Why? seriously? You're going to deal with all the lines? Well, I don't have two bad lines where I live, so it's. I like to see. Yeah, the, I like to see the circus of humanity. I do too. I love to go to the ballot. It's fun. Uh, no, I don't. I went fun. yesterday. Got that taken yeah. care of, so I don't have I to go wait in line. Plus, you know, I like to make snap judgments on local elections by meeting the candidates as I walk in, you know. Yeah. So they're like, vote for me for school committee. And then I'm like, right. where do you stand on lunches? <laughs> yeah. You know. You know, it's actually, it's really funny. It's, 
Where do you totally stand on M and M's in the vending machine? Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> Marie, I don't even know if I told you this. Maybe I did. It's just, it's just kind of funny. Tim, you'll probably appreciate this. I was out uh, on one of my motorcycles a few weeks ago, and and uh, had a mechanical issue and broke down. And uh, I was pushing my motorcycle uh, back home, which was you a pretty. Did I tell you about motorcycle. this? <laughs> I collect older bikes, older, older Harleys and stuff. Well, anyways, so I'm pushing my bike up up this hill, and uh, this dude pulls up next to me in a. a a truck, a pickup truck. Imagine that in Arkansas, right? Pickup truck <laughs> with a magnetic political sign on um, on the doors, and he was running for a, a local representative position here. I'm not going to say names or anything, but uh, so the dude gets out and he comes over to me and he goes, uh, "You need some help uh, pushing that up the hill." Uh-oh. Of course, you know what he was doing. It wasn't. Right. He wasn't. He wasn't wanting to just help me out of the kindness of his heart. He was looking at me for as a boat. Boat, Yeah, did somebody jump out and take take? <laughs> Take his picture exactly. while he was helping you. No way. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, so, um, so I kind of looked at him for a second. I couldn't really tell his uh, political affiliation because he didn't really have any colors or anything that would really give away <laughs> colors. what he was. So I, I asked Blue him. I was like, Yeah, where is he in gang? <laughs> yeah, no, he's no. Crip or blood? Was he wearing a little American flag lapel? Then you can tell if he's a if he's a Republican. <laughs> Yeah, so I asked, I was like, are you Republican or Democrat? He said, well, he said, sir, I'm a Democrat. I said, no, thank you. I'll push it on my own. <laughs> wow. You know what, Larry? That's me. So he, he got back in the Democrat. truck and he drove away. I think it you, pissed him off. But he could have had really good ideas. I mean, I, you know, I, I vote, no, no I tend to vote one way because I'm a woman, so I vote for women's issues. But I've met candidates that were both sides, and I let them talk, and if I like them, I'll vote for them. Yeah. Uh, and I've done that well, all my life, but that's, he could have been the best candidate now, you, and, and now his opponent's gonna win, and he's gonna be yeah. the Antichrist, and you well, can not totally, become totally the butterfly effect, Larry. Then he should have, then he should have either been a libertarian or a Republican, and I would have let him push my, my bite, and I would have, uh, then voted for him. No, and I Larry, all no, my friends to vote because for him. Larry, libertarians and Republicans don't help other people. They'll, he would have told you to do it your damn self. I got to tell you, Larry, I, I did the exact same thing a few years ago. At, at, at walking into the walking into the poll, some local guy tried to get me to vote for him, and I was like, "Are you a Republican or a Democrat?" And unfortunately for you, Larry, he was like, "I'm a Republican." And I was like, "I'm not voting for any Republicans this year." No, I don't so. even ask sometimes. <laughs> so we buy we buy into the uh, <laughs> into the paradigm. But to get back to conspiracy theories. Yeah, how do we get on politics? I don't know. Yeah. People, people that, know. We, we thought we got hate mail last time. Though. We're going to get it even worse this time. But I know. Yeah. But see, it, this is cool. Cause see, Larry and I are partners, and he's Republican, and I'm Democrat, and we get I'm along. not Republican. I, I'm really what not. You? I, I, am, I am more You're either Green Party, Independent, Libertarian. Well, I don't give I a shit. Too. I really I, don't. I don't like I don't like Democrats. Okay, that's, I'll just say that. I don't. I don't like anything that the Democratic Party stands for at all. So I, I'm, I'm much more right leaning than than I, I can't say that I'm just Republican because I'm not. I mean, I, I voted for some Green Party people and I voted for Libertarian uh, people. I mean, it's I'm not just a one party person, but I tend to lean more toward toward that side. It just seems like that side makes more sense and they have a more intelligent argument to me than well that's than the other. you <laughs> i'm you know yeah but we all have things that we we vote for 
But there you go. I mean, and, and, and means are like assholes. Keep religion Everyone out of my has damn one. life. Exactly. You keep religion out of my life and <clears throat> treat me with equal respect as a woman, and you do not tell me what to do with my vagina. Thank you. <laughs> oh, boy. That's how I vote. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we said the JJ word. Oh, cool. Let's see how many people. <laughs> wow. This is, yeah, this one's for the a landmark episode. I know. I think I that might be the first time that, that we've said vagina on the, the show ever. Yeah. Over 200 shows. Amazing. So. Murray, what's can even we, more amazing, it was you that said it, not me. I know, yeah. yeah. Well, I can figured. we even it up and say penis? Just, you know, so we get, <laughs> okay. Now I feel much better. Oh, God. Now, before we get everybody turning off the show, we'll get into, uh... I'm sure you know, NBC announced they're pulling a plug on our show February 12th, Cap, February 12th. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Here's the amazing part. That is the exact date. The Mayan calendar predicted we would go on. Really? Wow. What is this? What, what do you think of this whole thing with the the time slips and the time shifts and 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 I guess to differentiate between those two things to get back into the time discussion right. uh, and move away from genitals. Uh, <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> um, well, um, time shifts are a completely different thing than time slips. Yeah. Um, time slips are kind of like missing time, where you you might lose track of a good chunk of time or you might have a disorientation uh with time where you know something that should have just taken 10 minutes ended up taking hours and there are a lot of cases that we found uh where people sort of walk into it maybe a a weird kind of fog yeah. and all of a sudden they end up 500 miles down the road and it's 10 hours later where all they were doing was going up to the corner store so they've had like a complete distortion of time. Missing time is a little different. Larry and I have both had missing time. Uh, Larry lost a couple of hours on an investigation. I lost a couple of hours driving on a freeway. And that's just where you sort of black out. And just, you know, when you become aware again, you're, you've lost two, three, however many hours of time and you can't account for it. And yet you were able to function during that time. Used to happen to me all the time in college, but that was well, mostly from drinking. Black, yeah, alcoholic blackouts are a little bit. Strange. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't um, think alcoholic pot count. <laughs> yeah, but that what, what I thought it was interesting about that part of the book was you, they talk about the well, they it's you guys. Uh, <laughs> you guys, you, you talk about uh, sort of the fog element of all this. Yeah, and creepy. It, it what what struck me maybe uh, from that part of the book. And this goes back to my own hang-ups about the possibilities of physical time travel. Mm -hmm. Maybe at the end of the day, this is actually a lot simpler than we think. think. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it just involves, which interestingly is what our next book is about, you know, these little shifts in our physiology that occur because of something in the environment. So if you have somebody... Excuse me, who walks into this weird electrical fog, as it's been described um, by so many of the people that have had this happen, and they've got this time distortion that occurs. So basically what's happened is some kind of EM fluctuation or what have you in the environment in that particular location worked on their particular physiology right. to send them 
500 miles up the road, six hours into the future, when all they were doing was going to the corner store, which was 20 feet away. Exactly. And Jenny Randall, who I'm a huge fan of, she wrote a great book called Time Storms, where she just documents tons of these cases. And, you know, a lot of them involve UFO sightings, so there's always that question of, well, you know, is there is there an abduction aspect to this? But not always. Yeah, I think that looking at the science aspect of it, it, it gets into the sort of the idea we've talked about before with ghosts and everything. I, I, mm-hmm. I think there has to be some kind of universal, like like a like a mixture, like a bullion base like of, a of, of factors yeah. of, that come together <laughs> in this whole thing. You know, it, maybe it's physiology as well as environment and mm-hmm. and actual the actual time somehow. You know, maybe you can only time travel at eleven eleven or something crazy like that. You know, who right, knows? Right. And maybe in certain locations. Right. Maybe just not at every point on Earth, but yeah. these places that have long been known as, as paranormal hot spots or places of high strangeness, well, maybe there's a reason for that. And it is the interaction of the environment with your physiology if you happen to be standing there. Exactly. Larry, your thoughts? Yeah, no, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Maria, were you you're thinking like along the lines of like ley lines or... Well, yeah, but, you know, I mean, there seem to be places like a lot of England where this stuff happens more often, and it could be something seismic, it could be something, you know, electromagnetic, it could just be the the lay of the land, so to speak. So it's not just ley lines. I think it's, there's hot spots all over the place, these, you know, vortices and, excuse my son there. Um, and this is kind of what we're doing with our new project, The Grid, is trying to figure out, okay, well, what is going on in the environment right. and what's going on in our bodies at the time that somebody sees a ghost or somebody has a UFO encounter or, you know, some kind of alternate shift in consciousness or has a, a psychic vision or can remote view. What's going on? Yeah. What is that soup like you talked about? What's the recipe? Right, right. And that might be why science can't really unlock all this, because they're not really, like, looking at all the different factors at once or something like that. Well, but. yeah, because, I mean, you know, it's not stuff that, that you can prove, that you can do in a laboratory setting, because if it is related to the environment, it's only going to happen in particular locations. Exactly. And it's only going to happen with particular people, as we're finding out. Right. Now, now reproducibility oh. is not is really not conducive, I, I would say, to... Uh, science taking that very seriously. And that's a problem. I mean, how do we overcome that? Now, what about this paradox of time travel uh, that you didn't talk about in the book, I don't think, but uh, I've seen it in other places where, let's say, like, you have the time machine, right? And it was like the TARDIS in, in yeah. Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And you set it for, you know, I don't know, 1985, right? Isn't just because the earth is moving through space and space is moving and everything's moving like if i got in and and moved wouldn't i just pop into space like cuz earth is way far away like how how does the time machine stay grounded on the earth that's a really good question <laughs> yeah it is a good question <laughs> has anyone looked at that whole idea no not really that's mm, a good question no. cuz that 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 would be i would think that that would be a huge I think in the book you mentioned that some dude had some crazy time travel. Uh, it was part of the uh, the conspiracy theories chapter where he was like, it takes a chunk of the Earth underneath it, like because it 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 sticks to it somehow. And maybe that, that was is 
so bizarre. The only, you know, you know maybe he thought of the, yeah, <laughs> of the paradox. Exactly. Right. But I've, 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 there was an episode of Futurama where they can travel into the future, and it was but like, you know, that would never work because, because you would be out in space. You would not be able to stay on the Earth because it wouldn't be gone if, if you're stuck in one point. But what it could be yeah. is that, you know, since the universe is accelerating, it's expanding outward, that maybe the device would have to go back in the direction towards the Big Bang or, or away from uh, away from the acceleration. I'm kind of trying to verbalize. You know, if the universe is expanding outward mm-hmm. and the arrow of time is following that expansion, the device would have to literally sort of backtrack where the Earth came from. Right. Does that make any sense in a spatial sense? I don't I know. I think so. That's a really good question. Thank you. <laughs> Larry, can you answer? Larry, what are you doing? No, I really can't. No, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think through the science aspect of it and, and think how to answer that, and I, I can't. I, I don't know. I mean, because if you think of the light that we see from stars, those things are dead. They're long gone. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, millions of years ago. Yeah, right. so it has to have something to do with that, with with light, with the our ability to observe light, and going back in the other direction from where the expansion is going. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that's if that's possible because you would cut, you'd suck some of the universal fabric along with you. Yeah, you would think. This uh, time travel stuff. And that's a, that's a good question. I mean, that really mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to I'm going to have to do some thinking well, on that. You know that. what? Actually, the other solution would be if you go through a time wormhole. Well, uh, yes. I was going <laughs> to say that, but that really doesn't I mean, that doesn't in, in that specific scenario, that wouldn't really handle that, though. Well, I mean, but if you're going from, say, the present in our universe and you want to go back to the past, you'd have to go back to the past in a parallel universe, right, to, to make that work. I mean, I would think that would be the only way around Yeah. The, that problem. So you would go through literally a time wormhole. Yeah. And that's a theoretical thing that, that we wrote about and that is is considered a serious theory, but again... You know, there's no proof. Nobody's ever done it physically. Well, it's definitely, uh, put that in your files for a future, uh. Yeah, but you know what? It's yeah. questions <laughs> like that that make me start to really think that maybe again, we're really not meant to do certain things, you know, yeah. breach certain universal codes, if you will, because we'd screw up the whole universe. Well, the, the other thing I was thinking is, uh, you mentioned the theory of everything and it's to combine these four forces into one right. overlying thing. I noticed that time wasn't included in the theory of everything. Is it just sort of considered a, a, a given or a constant? I would think. I mean, I would think that that's, it's, if for, for a physicist to, you know, come up with the holy grail, you've got to include time. Yeah. How can you not if it's, if it's intertwined with space? You right. have to. Sorry, I just thought of something else, too. Mm-hmm. While we're sitting here just uh, theorizing about stuff, what if, you know, what if it was possible? Say we have the ability to, to jump in our TARDIS or our, our DeLorean or whatever and go back in time. What if you went back before the Earth was created, before the universe or the galaxy was actually created? What if you went back, way back? To like the Big Bang? Yeah, before pre-bang. the Big Bang. <laughs> ah. The pre-bang. Then, pre-bang. I mean, for that to even, for, for you to have the ability... I'm trying to think through the logistics of that. I mean, remember the movie uh, Altered States? He used he used what ayahuasca and the um, isolation chamber 
and he went back yeah, before the Big Bang. Do you remember that? No. Uh-uh. I don't, oh, yeah, like, Larry, how could you not remember that movie? That no, I, don't, was... I don't remember it. <gasps> For what we're, the work that we do, you must. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I, mean, I remember the movie, but I don't remember. No, no, no. I remember, I remember the movie, Marie. I just don't remember yeah. going back before the Big Bang. Well, he, you know, he kind of went back to, to the fetus and then just kept going back, yeah. back, back to that. the Big Bang. And then there was just the black void. And But he was experiencing but that, was, that. But that was mental. Mentally. That was, yeah, that was mental. I'm talking about physical. Right. I think that maybe you would physically, like, die. I think it would physically, like, crush whatever you were in or something. You know what I mean? It was well, something, but I don't know, it would tear it apart. According somehow. to some of the laws that we wrote about, you should never have been able to travel back in the first place. Right. Yeah. You'd be going back to before there was any form. So how right. could you, you How, how could, could you have created a time back? machine to travel back in time? I mean, it's that huge paradox, yeah. that cyclical thing. I mean, there's just no way to answer it. Yeah. Time. Ugh. Creepy. It's too late to be thinking of stuff like this, by the way. <laughs> now I'm going to sleep tonight. Oh, you poor thing. You're going to be up all night wondering about these things. Yeah. yeah. I guess, do you think this is ever going to actually be possible, or do you think this is going to be a question that people will grapple with, you know, forever almost? Oh, man. Am time I travel? On that yeah, time travel. I, I'm torn, too. I mean, I, I think I, I think eventually we'll have the ability to, to achieve faster than light travel. I think that's just... That's, as I said before, just a, just an engineering problem at this right. point. Whether it's you know creating the TARDIS or or figuring out a device or some sort of exotic material that can hold a wormhole open without crushing us. You know, I think eventually we'll be able to to achieve that speed. Um, but I I don't know. I mean, that makes me wonder though. Even if we could do that. Is there something else that would prevent us from tra- traveling back? Maybe, or forward. Maybe there's, maybe, maybe you can't do it. Maybe nothing happens. Maybe you hit the speed of light or you, you exceed the speed of light and then that's it. I mean, there, there's just kind of that brick wall. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I feel that way too. I'm like really torn between half of me thinking there's too many issues that, that would make it possible, but the other half looking at how far we have come. Sure. With our sure. technology and our progress and, and kind of thinking, well, I can't completely count it out because we look at, you know, a hundred years ago, would we have ever imagined cell phones and right. <clears throat> things well, that okay. we have We're, now? Think, think about this too, Marie. Um, when you were, when you were a teenager and, uh, they had the steam powered cars. <gasps> oh! Ever- oh! oh! Tim, you're my witness. Oh. You heard that, didn't you? Oh, I heard it. <clears throat> okay. Bazinga. Okay, so did, um, did, did yeah, you ever think that you. there would be such things as laptops? <laughs> did you ever think there would be such things as, as fiber optics and lasers and satellites? And no, things? because I was I mean, too busy feeding my pterodactyls. I mean, I really... Yeah, well, yeah you know. exactly. But that's my point. I mean, <laughs> No, I agree. That's why I say I'm torn, because you half could of never, it feels like... At, it's, right. Exactly. As, as you were sitting there cranking your Model T, you probably never thought about... <laughs> <laughs> the idea of oh an electric car vehicle, let alone a vehicle that runs 100% on electricity. I, I never would have even imagined you... that I would have gotten off out of my horse and buggy, Larry. <laughs> you're right. But you're I think what you're, I... I think that beyond, <laughs> beyond the digs at Murray, I think that, I, I think that, I, I, I don't know, I, I agree with you that the technology advance is it, tremendous, it but it's coming. I mean, yeah. you know, look at what we've done and how, Quickly, we're we're just progressing from one year to the next now. It's like insane. But at the same time, 
it's hard to imagine. Is it because is it those paradoxes that hint to right. us that this is something you're never going <clears> to <throat> excuse me be able to do? Right. right. It's like you just it's it's like we may you can't shape shift. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was going to say. You know, you, right. you, you no matter how advanced we get technologically, we'll probably never be able to land a craft on the surface of the sun. Right. Or a fly without you know, right. type of gadgetry. You can't just jump off a coffee table and fly, as many of us learned as children, and Larry learned last night. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you told um, me a lesson for tonight, so thank you. So I think, you know, maybe there's just a sort of ultimate limitations. Right. Yeah, and I think there's a reason for that, because if, you know, I, I mean, I don't mean to get all metaphysical and woo-woo, but I really think that in order to have a life that has purpose and meaning, there have to be some limitations. Right. We're supposed to learn certain things within a certain framework. Uh, whether we advance beyond that after death, who knows? But I just, you know, like we, we talked about before, if we had an awareness of every other alternate reality and timeline out there, we'd go insane. We would never be able to focus on one uh, long enough to, you know, do anything meaningful. We would just be like schizophrenics and multiple personality disorder and just nuts. It would be like people who are like addicted to the internet. They just go to like sure. a billion sites a day. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. It would be but like that. Ha- and they have no real life of their own. Exactly. So it's a... It's well, a I'm oh. kidding. I'm just kidding. Fisticuffs we, tonight we on the show. And we really adore each other. It's a conundrum. It's a real, uh, <laughs> you know, like I said, I applaud you guys for digging into this because, uh, you know. It's really a tough one because you watch 10 years from now, there will be time travel and more. And we'll be like, yeah, all right, okay, that we did it. Um, I don't know. I'm just so torn when people ask me that. It's like, yeah, I think we can, but no, I don't think we can. <laughs> I know that doesn't make any sense, but. Yeah. And to go back to the whole conspiracy theory thing, I just don't think, you know, if the, if the government knew about time travel and everything, it goes back to the whole idea of how there'd be nobody in the present sort of thing. Like, maybe the government, let's, let's put it this way, maybe the government did figure out time travel, all right? And let's use Larry as an example. And, and so they, they draft Larry. Just, just, this isn't, I'm not putting a dig on you, Larry. I'm just using, or, or Marie, it doesn't matter, but. Okay. So they, they grab Larry and they're like, all right, you know, we, we got the time travel here. Come to this secret Air Force base. They put Larry in the thing. We're going to send you to, you know, the start of World War II to, to do, you know, maybe then Larry just never comes back. Right. You know, because you can't come back to the original timeline that you left. Exactly. So maybe after, like, they've lost, like, four dozen soldiers, the government's like, you know what? This doesn't work. Right. <laughs> like, time travel, yeah. you know, we've assassinated Hitler 40 times, but yeah. it didn't stop the war where we are, so... Exactly. It didn't save any of those six, seven million right. lives, you know, it... it yeah. So, you know, like you say, where there's, you know, sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire. Maybe the government did figure out how to send somebody back in time, but you couldn't get them back and you couldn't change right. the present. So, exactly. you know, I it think, has, I, I feel like. It has no value then. And it has no, you know, there has to be a purpose for doing it. Right. Either to control other countries or to make a lot of money. So if it can't do either one of those things, they're just going to drop it. And it very well could be that they have technology that is a little more advanced than what we think. But still not enough to do time travel the way that the the movies and the TV shows do it. Here's a a movie idea for you. Here's the scenario. The only way I see that even as feasible for the, you know, if the government has secret time travel and everything, 
all of a sudden they come out one day, they're like, listen, an af- almost like this hurricane that just hit. They're like, listen, right. an asteroid's coming. You're all going to die. Yeah. But we have good news. We know how to time travel to other timelines. So, you know, form an orderly line. Yeah, an orderly line. And, yeah, right. You know, come down <laughs> to your local library and we'll send you to a different time place because right. this timeline's about to blow up. Yeah, that's kind of a cool idea. That's the only way I see, you know, that I see disclosure of time travel even even being, you know, possible or reasonable or plausible, I guess you could say, yeah, <laughs> if the government has some secret point. time travel technology. It does, doesn't make any sense, because what are you going to do, go back and change who won World War One? Well, <laughs> you know, sorry, but that's not going to change this timeline. And Exactly. Yeah. So only as almost like that Terra Nova movie or show, you know, only as like an escape mechanism, I guess, right, is right. the is the real good reason for time travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for for like a theme park kind of thing. Well, you can't come back though. See. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you hate your family, this is the theme park for you. Exactly. You come back. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So now I have a I have a James Lipton style question for you guys. So. James Lipton. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, you know, if you could go back to any time, what would it be and why? Go ahead, Larry. You go first. Have you guys been asked this one before? I figure that's probably one you've been asked yeah. like a million times on. Uh, not a million times, but a few. We've asked other people too because we're interested. In... Yeah. All right, Larry, you go first. Uh, mine definitely would be the uh, the uh, pyramids. I definitely want to go back and. Go back to ancient Egypt and actually uh, see how that was, uh, how it all went down. That'd be that'd be for sure mine. I would go back to the '60s and watch rock music just explode. And and see, I grew up in the '60s, so I did get to see it. But I would love to relive the '60s again. I mean, it was it was even though I was very very young, the stuff that was going on was mind blowing. Literally. Uh, with music, with, with, um, <laughs> with, you know, Vietnam. I mean, it was a time of history. The drugs. <laughs> that was just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, well, Great. I mean, everything, though. I didn't do any. Yeah. Well, that, um, coming of age during the late 60s, early 70s was unbelievable. See, now, this. I would this, go back to that. All right. I want to see it again. I'd want to be a little more observant than I was before. Sober, you mean? I was a kid. I, okay. was a <laughs> I was just jumping on Larry's train of thought there. I yeah, had he's so mean to me. I swear. <laughs> um, well, that brings I, up, you know, in terms of history. I mean, I don't really. There's not really other another time period that fascinates me as much as, um, you know, this, I, than the more recent ones. I'd like to go see what Jesus was all about. Clear up that mystery. Hmm. But. Um, <clears throat> That's about it. Well, this the, the question kind of brings up a couple of interesting sort of theoretical avenues. This is definitely an episode of just sort of us just sitting around musing about this stuff. But, like, let's use Larry's example. You, you, there's a couple of issues, I guess you could say, with this concept. If if mm-hmm. if, if Larry's going to physically go back and see the pyramids, right? Right. Mm-hmm. What's to say they're not – and let's just – sorry, Giorgio. Let's just say that they're <laughs> built by slaves, so, you know, we don't need to get into aliens and all that in this in this hypothetical scenario. Larry, you go back in time and you go to the pyramids. What's to stop them just from grabbing you and making you a slave? Yeah. You know? Right. There's a danger – like I was thinking 
uh, you know, as an, go back like an it's it's a wonderful life or Christmas Carol where they don't see you. Right, you have to have some kind of protection or or like yeah, invisibility. Just observing, yeah, right, right. Because like I was thinking, you know, kind of like what Marie was saying about going back to the time of Jesus. It was like I'm thinking, well, it'd be kind of neat to go back to 1947 and see what happened at Roswell. But then it's like, well, all the all the pedestrians or, or regular people like Mac Brazel or whatever, they're all forced out of whatever happened. So he, right. even if you showed up from 2012 in the town of Roswell on the day before the crash and you're hanging around there in the desert and everything, you know you're going to get pushed out anyway. You're not going to be able to find out, you know, you get a little more right, information. Right. You're still a civilian. <laughs> right, exactly. So there's even those sort of paradoxes that, that go beyond a scientific paradox and just to... A sociological paradox, almost. Right, right, right. And one of the things that we also talked about was that you think, well, I could just go back and observe. I won't do anything. But the act of observation is going to change the outcome of, of what happens. I mean, we know that to be true on a quantum level. And again, well, what if it's true on the bigger scale? So you're just going back to look could change everything. Right, right. Well, that goes that's into... That's really down the rabbit hole. Yeah, because if you think about the, the theory that the UFOs are time travelers and stuff like that, it's like UFOs have influenced, you know, ancient battles and things like that. So it's... Even even there, there's been influence if they're that's time probably travelers. the only quote-unquote kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, UFO conspiracy that I would buy into that a lot of UFO sightings could very well be craft from advanced civilizations that are traveling back in time. I don't see why not, you know? Yeah, and plus it answers sort of one of the critical questions of the UFOs, which is why aren't they, why don't they get involved? Right. You know, maybe it's regulated, or right. they're not allowed to get involved. Out the paradox situation, yeah. You know, they're like, you can go back and watch, but you can't get involved. So. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Oh, now my head hurts. I need some Advil. <laughs> yeah. So now you guys are working on this new book. Uh, is there anything else on the time stuff we should talk about, or do you think we... No, you know, I think I really... Think we... Now, uh, the only other thing uh, that I noticed in the book from... Uh, this book is from the future. You didn't talk about Madman Markham at all, the uh, the time traveler that that was sort of around in the 90s. Did, do you familiar with that story? Mark- I don't remember that. Do you remember that, Larry? Uh, no, I've never even heard that oh, name. Oh, you have to tell us. <laughs> I'll have to. I'll have to send you the link. Uh, Jason. Oh Jason Offit. I don't know if you guys know Jason at all, but he's done oh, yeah. a tremendous he's amount of work yeah. looking yeah. at uh, Madman Markham, and apparently he had some kind of. Uh, he was sort of working on a time machine and claims to have some stories about. You know that he that he managed to travel in time. It was kind of like the John Teeter thing. It, it, right. it gained a following through coast to coast, and then he disappeared. And and he's from the same area that Jason is. And Jason managed to track him down and sort of get more oh, to the really? story. They actually found a person who was claiming to be him, unlike the John yeah. Teeter. Right, right. Jason's <laughs> talked to him and met him, and and he's he's you know, it's it. I guess it has a little more weight than the John Teeter story, but at the right. same time, it's it's certainly sort of a, a obviously based on a, a anecdotal evidence. So right, because there is no proof. I mean, he never showed Jason. Hey, look, I'm going to take you back to you know 1922. Right, right. I think he. I think the the closest thing he 
I think he was traveling into the future, but I don't know exactly. Uh, I don't recall the story off the top of my head. I just yeah. didn't know if you oh, guys had looked funny. at it. No, that was one we missed. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was glad you included the Charlie Chaplin one in there because yeah, that was that's you know everything it just, just went viral. Well, like the thing that we were saying about how these don't hold water and everything. It's like why didn't if someone in the past has a cell phone, it's not going to work anyway. So what are they? You know, exactly. recording their thoughts. Yeah. Like, what are they doing? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I, that that's the kind of maddening thing where, it's like, you see people go crazy about it, and then it's like, stop for a minute and think. People mm-hmm. think, yeah. Do you even think before you believe something just because you saw it go viral on Facebook or the Internet? Yeah. It's like, this would be awesome if it was true, but there's no infrastructure <laughs> for a cell phone in the 1920s. Exactly. Yeah. Who would she be talking to? <laughs> <laughs> we all know that was a man in drag. Come on. That's what Larry said, that he thought it was. <laughs> what it looks like. I think that goes into the whole, like, that, 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 that it's, it's like it's gaining momentum and gaining momentum, and then people have to throw in even weirder twists to it. Yeah. It's like, well, I think it's a time traveler, but I also think it's a man dressed as a woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what, so, so what, he's trying not to draw attention to himself, so he dresses in drag? That doesn't even... Well, like, wh- why? Who are these people that are putting these things out there? They I don't know. They just have nothing better to do. <laughs> but goddamn, they entertain us. They so. do. Exactly. We need people that have nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> now, where can folks pick up this book is from the future? I take it uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and anywhere fine books are sold. Anywhere fine yep. books are sold, as opposed to not fine books. Yes. Exactly. Right. Well, I picked it up at Barnes and Noble, so. Yeah. Well, they are really good to us. We really like Barnes and Noble. Well, thank God they're still hanging in there after all these other places. I can't believe it. Yeah, they're just falling by the wayside. It's sad. The secret to Barnes & Noble is you can sit and read the book. And have coffee. Right. (laughs) I used to go to Borders all the time. They kind of discouraged that. So it was like, that's why they went under. Anyway, so what's going on now? I'm going to sort of hit you with some random stuff here as we head in towards the end. Now, last time we had you on the show, you were talking about this movie, uh, 19 Hertz, the movie. It was sort of uh, percolating. So what's what's the status it's on 19 Hertz? It's still percolating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're learning quick how the film industry works. So we have another project that we did called Aurora. Nothing to do with the shooting, by the way. It's a science fiction and just hoping that that they will get picked up and funded and plug it along in the meantime just signed a new book deal with a new publisher oh um we're working now with Herofant uh, which is a part of Hampton Roads huge, nice huge company yeah is this On okay. the grid which we have now exactly four months to write oh boy <laughs> i know i'm counting down the days like oh my god um, but it's it's a big one, I hope. This is the reality yeah. book? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it just kind of really brings together everything that Larry and I have been working towards over the last five years that we've been working together. Mm-hmm. Because we've written about it in every book practically, little bits and pieces as we've discovered things. So we're trying to really formulate our theory of how we perceive reality and other levels of reality and how we may be interacting Again, what goes on physiologically, what goes on environmentally, what is that perfect stew that uh, allows you to have an experience of another reality? Of another reality? Well, even our own. I mean, you know, even the reality that we're in, is it just the brain? Are we just, you know, structured to perceive what we perceive? Is everything different for everyone, and yet we also have a collective reality that we all buy into? I think that's what's going on. 
Well, it's interesting because you, it's, it almost feels like reality is getting more fractured as time goes by. Because back in the yeah. day before the internet came along, it, the, it, it's like informa- information intake, if you will, you know, like overload, it was, absolutely. Well, you only really had a small amount of available information right. from the media. Now there's so much yeah. information that there are people like we talk about these conspiracy folks. Uh-huh. There, you know, people. There are people operating in different realms of reality. Their reality yeah. is completely different from what our reality is. And yet, we have a collective reality. Exactly. Well, we agree that a chair is a chair, and a dog is a dog, and red is red. But, you know, how how fluid and flexible is personal reality? We can create a lot of it. Uh, we each can see red, but we might see it a little bit differently based upon our experiences. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what we want to look at, but really from the, the point of view that this isn't the only level of reality. And we are constantly getting little glimpses into these other levels. And how does that happen? Why does it happen to one person, maybe not another? Interesting. This sounds like a know, difficult Larry, book to tackle. Does that kind of sound right? Yeah, you summed, <laughs> yeah, you summed it up. Larry, are you excited about this new project? Very, yeah. I think this will be our biggest one probably yet. Biggest in length or just biggest in impact or biggest in, in work? Obviously, I feel like that's probably definitely the case. But Work and impact, I think. Yeah. I think there's, there's yeah. far uh, greater implications of this uh, of our work on this book, I think, than probably any of the other ones. And like Marie said, I think we've been uh, kind of building up to this. This is kind of the uh, the grand finale. Not really the finale, but the kind of the uh, the biggie. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Where do you go from there? How do you, how do you, you know, what, what do you tackle after reality? We have other ideas. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, this is going to be more of an introduction to this theory and, and all the different aspects of it. And we're hoping that we're, as time goes on, we're going to be expanding on it. We're going to be doing research and investigations and just getting more, um, backup information from other people that are out there also looking into similar theories and so it's kind of might be an ongoing thing but we we need to present the foundation of the grid first so that's what we're going to do interesting okay yeah, but i don't i don't know i mean larry you want to write more books after this or are we going to call it quits <laughs> i don't know after this uh, let's time travel go to a different timeline and start over Should take we? your books with you and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like pump them out really fast, like how you know yeah. how Tupac had all those albums that came out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be nice, huh? <laughs> now, are you still getting a lot of uh, interest in the eleven eleven thing? Because I see it, it, they really push it here on on this book is from the future. It says authors of eleven eleven, but that must have been a big a big book then. It was. I mean, that was our biggest yeah. book together. It, it was For huge, sure. and yeah. it was probably the last book we would have thought would have been so big. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's a topic that a lot of people have uh, an interest in, and there's really no avenue to go to to find out more about it. So. Right, right. Well, we had no idea when we decided to do it that there was even anything that big to it. It was very surprising, and the, the response, and oh, excuse me, I still think the most people that we meet, that's the book that they mention. Yeah. 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 Now, what about that book you wrote, uh, Marie? It's it's almost coming time, almost coming time for the big uh, oh, end of the Mayan calendar. You know what? That was for me personally my biggest book, and it's kind of a drag. Cause it's like the shelf life is, you know, one more month and then boom, it's over. But no, that was a great book for me. And the funny thing is, is that I had just 
um, connected with Larry during that time. Yeah. And we had decided, you know, the next thing we do, let's do together. And so he actually helped me with a ton of the research for 2013 oh. and, and does not get any credit for that. But Larry, you're a good egg. He I know, is. Yeah. I mean, he was sending me links and helping me with stuff as I was writing it. And, yeah, that's been a huge book for me. I'm kind of sad to see it go, but, you know, on to new things. Always on to new things. Well, I think it'll be still, it'll be looked back upon as as a, a key sort of piece. Hey, of, there's still some stuff in there that's coming true every day. You know, the realistic mm. stuff that I wrote about. Well, it's interesting, too, that I've found it intriguing that there was all this furor sort of leading up to December 21st, 2012. But it seemed like once we got into 2012, I really haven't heard much about it no, this year. it's totally died yeah. down. Yeah. It's bizarre. Nobody's talking about it. I mean, yeah. I don't know if it's like the, if it's the election or, or just the random sort of weird stuff that's been happening this year, like the shooting and now the hurricane and the, the you know thing, what I you think know, it is? I don't know what it is. I think most people expected really awful, horrendous things like asteroid impacts and super volcanoes and, you know, men from Mars to land leading up to it. And because those things have not happened, they're interested, mm-hmm. you know, people get distracted easily. Right. Yeah. Their interest is elsewhere. Now they're on to the whole ancient alien thing. You sound like you're not a fan. Um, I do think there's some validity to the theory, but I think it's kind of, I don't know, to blame every single thing in our past on aliens. I'm, I'm not, definitely don't go down that road. Right, right, right. No, I am. I, I enjoy the show. I'm a fan of, of, <clears throat> those ideas, those theories. I mean, Larry and I got the opportunity to hear Eric von Daniken speak in Minneapolis, and that was that was mind blowing. I, I find ancient astronauts interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. I'm it's, more focused on the present and future. I think you know, I, I'm really intrigued by the past, but at some point, I realize I need to shift my focus back to the present. Right, because you can't really do anything about it. So it's like that would be interesting, but yeah, yeah. Unless it tells something us maybe changes. who we are, where we came from, but it still doesn't right. solve the problems of today, you know, right. tomorrow. So yeah, or the big question of why we're here in the first place, you know, what? Yeah. Although I've said to people, I think that you know what, what you guys do and what I do and what the serious-minded people in this field do, I honestly believe that that is why we're here to sort of ask the question why we're here. Sure. And a lot of most people Final don't do that. It. Yeah. So that's why they're sort of yearning for the answer. Right, and I mean, we, you know, I do want to know what my heritage, my genetic background is. <clears throat> if there was alien intervention, sure, I'd love to know that. But I also want to know how I can work with that now and, and how mm-hmm. that can help the future. Because really, you know, if we don't get our proverbial crap together, <laughs> there won't be a future, whether we're alien, human, or half and half. Right, right. Well, the world's in a precarious position, so... Yeah. It's interesting. Right. Now, Larry, are you still involved with our past and uh, doing the yep. ghost hunting? Absolutely. How's that going? That's good. I don't know what to say about it. I mean, I, I, you know, the paranormal to me is, is, I would say, on the decline. I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be very politically correct here. I mean, I think I've found the answers that I've been looking for. Um, so I think my uh, my motivation is not quite as as strong as it as it once was. But I mean, yeah, I, I still do it certainly. I mean, we use our past. Marie and I use our past as as kind of a testing grounds for a lot of the uh, the research that we do. So we look at things from the uh, practical perspective or the realistic field 
perspective. Yeah. But, you know, as far as the actual ghost hunting part of it, you know, really, I'm, I'm, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of over it. I mean, it's it, like, it how seems, many ghosts can you hunt? <laughs> yeah, I and mean. not find any. <laughs> right, right. I, I think, I don't know if it was you guys I talked about this with. I think I, it was, it was actually, because that's where, when I said squaw douche. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I had a similar conversation with, uh, some guys that are paranormal investigators on, on a recent show, and, uh-huh. just, you know, they, they, they we reached a wall of sorts with this ghost hunting thing. Oh, that, absolutely. Very much. You know, yeah. and if people want to go out and have fun, let them. I don't care oh, about sure, that. But sure. it's like free, free country. Right. Yeah. From someone who's trying to figure all this out, I'm at, I'm at my saturation point as far as yeah. information oh, totally. and insights. Yeah. And that's right. why we like to write about things that to other people may not seem paranormal, but they really are. I mean, we're just taking it further out than just running around and looking for for spirits, right? Or orbs. Well, I think that the, the the books that you guys write are, I think, obviously, I think they're critical reading for anyone who's a serious student of the paranormal because they really lay the groundwork for so much of the tentpole subjects. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know? Cause and, and our most ignored book, The Resonance Key, I, I just mean ignored, not ignored, but maybe overlooked because people don't understand it, but that's probably the most important book that anybody in the paranormal could read because... You know, resonance has been offered as a potential explanation for everything, for so many things. And I don't know, it's just, you know, people just tend to overlook, excuse me, things that they don't really get. And they'll go read the next, you know, how to tweak your equipment book. Yeah. (laughs) You know. Yikes. How to get a deal on a millimeter, but they don't want to know what's behind what it is that they're hunting. What, right. what could be causing it or, or interacting with, with it and blah, I don't know. Right. It's, it's frustrating, but, you know, we do what we do. We put it out there. Well, I thought, I, I was reminded of you guys actually, uh, I was watching, I think it was last week's episode of Big Bang Theory where he had the hologram and of a pencil and then it was like he showed a hologram of the earth and he was like, some people think that the universe is actually one big hologram. And I was like, I learned that from Marie and Larry's book. <laughs> yeah. I think Larry is Sheldon. <laughs> yeah. Larry, are you Sheldon? Uh, yeah. No, I'm not. <laughs> Larry rides motorcycles. He can't be Sheldon. Trying him well, too he's cool. Well, he's a cool Sheldon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, what do, what's the name of this new book? And you said it's due in four months. So, when do you expect it to uh, be available for me to put my grimy little hands on? It's um, supposed to be released fall of 2013, and I think the tentative title as of now is "The Grid: Exploring the Hidden Infrastructure of Reality." But that will probably change. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. How far along are you? <laughs> um, well, Larry. Funny. Yeah, just yeah. But just just the acknowledgments part. No, I mean no. We've done. We've been doing the research for a long time. Yeah, we've got I know. Down, I mean. And you know what? Things keep getting in the way. I mean, we had events. Larry's got a bunch of events, and we really, you know, now that it's a new month, it's November. Now it's it's time to just get cracking. Right, right. Well, now, Larry, you said you're heading out on a trip soon. What's what's uh, this, this episode definitely won't drop by the time you uh. By the time you make that trip, but do you have any any big events coming up? And and how how are you finding the uh, the convention circuit? Because I know you guys were in Minneapolis recently. Yeah, um, that was yeah. Awesome. Actually, I'm 
going to a conference tomorrow. I'm leaving for one in uh, Jefferson, Texas. Then the weekend after that, I'm speaking at Memphis Comic Con. Uh, what else? I'm looking at my calendar. Um, and then I've got a, a metaphysical conference I'm doing December 12, 12, 12. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's really it. That's all I've got through the end of the year. I've, I've, uh, I'm trying to wind down some. It's, yeah. uh, it's been crazy. Between Marie and, uh, and I, I think, you know, pretty, neither one of us have had many weekends, uh, free to do anything. I mean. Yeah. And we got to get this book done. <laughs> we got to get the book done, and we've got a lot of other projects that, that are on the back burner that we want to tackle as well. But we do want to say that the um, Paradigm Symposium in Minneapolis was off the hook. It was it's pretty awesome. It was amazing. The speakers, the people, the the um, there were close to I think 500 people. Wow, nice. The quality of the event itself. I mean, everything down to the food and just. The presentation, everything was fantastic. And, you know, just yeah. seeing some really mind-blowing people like Eric Von Daniken and Dr. John Ward and um, and us. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we made a lot of good, great friends. We got to actually meet our publishers, New Page Books, for the first time. Oh, nice. Which was interesting, even though we're now working with a new publisher. But um, Scotty Roberts and Micah Hanks and Rainy Roberts kicked Ass. They three of them really put this together, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it was it was really amazing. We, you know, we each do. We've only done a few together. Hopefully, we'll be doing more. And um, we do a lot of things separately. And one of the things that Larry has been hearing a lot, and I've been hearing, is just that the you know the more paranormal oriented conferences are really struggling. Yeah. And again, it's that whole ghost thing. It's kind of getting a little lame. Uh, but this was Ancient Aliens, and we talked about time travel. It fit right in. Just the idea of, you know, changing paradigms. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think for us, we're going to be looking for more events that are not necessarily, quote-unquote, paranormal. Right, right, right. Well, it's a very sort of uh, difficult it's sort of market. Closed. It's too closed. I right. Mean, they, they, you know, I, Larry has this Jefferson... Um, event and the, and he has free reign to talk about whatever he wants, despite the fact that it's a paranormal conference. But a lot of them, they just want you to talk about ghost hunting. I mean, don't you find that, Larry? The more paranormal. Yeah, and it, it's so annoying yeah. because it seems to me like most of the people that go to those things, I mean, I, I, I hate to say it, but they're they're extremely closed-minded. You would think that the people that attend paranormal conferences would, by nature, be very open-minded. Uh, right. Um, Individuals, but but I, I actually find that that's not the case at all. Right. Um, case in point, I, I have a presentation that I do about orbs, and invariably, you know, some idiot will come up to me, and you know, after I've presented an hour and fifteen minute scientific explanation of what orbs are, uh, very detailed scientific explanation of what orbs are, invariably, some douchebag will come up to me afterwards and <laughs> refute everything that's in there and tell me that uh, it's actually spirits. Uh, and when I ask them how they know that, well, I just know that. Right. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I appreciate that. Um, did you listen to any of my presentation at all? What are you speaking on this weekend? Time travel. I mean, oh, are you? Travel. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty safe. But, <laughs> no, you know, for, for the most part, the, the paranormal conferences, I, I enjoy going to them. Yeah. But I don't enjoy going to them. I mean, it's one of those things that's kind of a... I hate to say it's a necessary evil for what we do, but right. I mean, it, it just seems the, the for the most part. I'm not saying every paranormal conference is like this, but 
just seems like many of them, I'll put it that way, um, are so focused and so singular on the on right. the ghost That's aspect mm-hmm. of it that if you if you try to tackle anything else, I mean, you you see eyes glaze over, you see people that just really don't have uh, either a level of interest or high enough of a level of education to understand what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. That's unfortunate. It is. I mean, it is. I find, because I mostly go to UFO events, uh, personally, I just find, I just can't stand talking shop outside of when you're sort of working the event. Right. You know, it's like if, I, if I'm if i out at the bar and I'm having a beer, the last thing I want is to talk about UFOs with people. But, that, you know, and I don't blame them because this right. is their... That's what they're there to talk about. Right. Exactly. But it's like invariably they're like, well, what do you think's going on? Right. And it's yeah. like, what's going on is I'm watching the Red Sox and I'm having yeah. a beer, so... <laughs> I'm having a beer, yeah. Like, cool. leave me alone. I once... Some guy was, like, <laughs> bothering me once, and I was like, well, wh- what do you do for a living? And he was like, you know, well, I work in trucking. And he said, that doesn't really matter. And I was like, well, it doesn't matter what I do for a living either, so just... Yeah, exactly. Just get the hell out of here. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm the curmudgeon of the conference circuit, so... <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of like that, too. It's like I can handle a day, and then after that I'm sort of itching to... You know, let's go just hang out and have fun. And right, right. And it's sort of like, I know it's like a figure of speech where it's like, well, if you get them at the bar, then they'll tell you the really interesting stuff. But it's like, yeah, it's really. like, listen, I don't, I'm not going to gossip with you. So, you know, unless you're like a friend of mine, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. The lowdown. Yeah. People, you know, I don't want to deal with people who are like, what's this person really like? Yeah. Oh, they're such a douchebag. Yeah. Quote me on that. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> let me tell you all about it so you can write about yeah. it on your fucking blog. <laughs> Yeah, it's like <laughs> Jesus. Get the hell out of here. Oh, anyway, on that on that curmudgeonly note. On that note. Yes, <laughs> the website is paraexplorers.com. dot com. Right. Excellent. And the new book is this book is from the future. As we said, you can get it all over the place, and they got a new book coming out next fall. Keep me posted on nineteen hertz. Absolutely. I'm always available for extra work. You know that. Oh, you could, yeah, there you go. I have a role for you. Okay. Yeah. I, I can be like Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I can be like paging Mr. Flaxman. Paging Mr. Flaxman. You'd be the gopher. <laughs> fetch me a donut. Oh, God. But uh, it's been great. I, I love the conversation tonight. Uh-huh. And uh, it's always just so much fun talking to you guys. It, it is it is. I, I wouldn't even say it's like talking to two old friends. It is talking to two old exactly. friends, and, and you guys have been. I was stunned. I was looking at it today to see when Marie was first on the show because I had her on before I had Larry on. Marie, you were on all the way back in season two, back uh, probably I think like six, seven years ago at this oh point. My so it's God. unbelievable. And uh, I am old. <laughs> and, and Larry, you were, you were right there uh, the following season in season three. So I mean, you guys have been on. Just countless oh, times man. and huge supporters of this show, and I appreciate time it. Time has passed. Yeah. Time has passed, and, 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 you know, thanks to your fine work, we've covered just so many different interesting yeah, aspects of uh, the esoteric. So I, I really yeah. appreciate it. And, uh, well, you're always one of our favorites. No, <laughs> we get to just be ourselves. <laughs> That's all I ask. That's all I ask, yeah. and, and you guys always bring right. the goods. So thank you very much for coming back on the show, and, uh, I'd say let's keep in touch, but I know we will. So uh, best of luck in 2013. We'll ride through uh, the storm of of the Mayan calendar together, and uh, we'll we'll all get back together again. (laughs) On the other side. Yep, (laughs) on the other side in Season 8. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. Thank you. That does it for this edition of BOA Audio Season 7. Big, big thanks to Marie Jones and Larry Flaxman for coming back on the show and giving us so much time 
You can find out more from them at www.paraexplorers.com. Pretty simple, all one word. Paraexplorers.com. Check it out. Moving right along now, normally it is time for the BOA Audio Listener Feedback segment of the program, but because this episode is tremendously late, we are going to skip BOA Audio Listener Feedback this week and bring it back on the next edition of the program. So let me run through the means for you to contact me if you would like to be featured here in a future installment of the program. You can head on over to banalofamerica.com, B-I-N-N-A-L-L of America.com, and click the contact button. Or simply write to boaaudio at hotmail.com. And if you want something a little more interactive, you can join up at the official BOA forum, theusofe.com, T-H-E-U-S-O-F-E dot com. It is BOA's paranormal playground. Lots of discussion on the world of esoterica and pop culture at the US of E. And if you can't manage to get that whole jumbled URL together, just head on over to Banal of America and click the forum button. Additionally, I am on Twitter and Facebook, so if you'd like to find me on there, just punch in Banal, B-I-N-N-A-L-L, that'll bring up my profiles. Feel free to befriend me, follow me, or poke me. It's all good, and I'd be happy to have you as part of my online circle of friends. And finally, if you've not done so yet, please check out and like Banal of America on Facebook. That's where you can find some exclusive stuff from BOA, and also heads up fresh news on the program and the website before it is released anywhere else. You can find that simply by punching in Banal of America in Facebook. And for those folks who are keeping score at home, we are up to 847 likes. So we're still a bit of a ways away from the mythical 1,000 likes. So if you are listening to this and you have not yet liked us on Facebook... You can help us get towards the hump. Maybe not over the hump yet, but definitely towards the hump by liking us on Facebook. Those are the means to get in touch with me if you want to be featured here on BOA Audio Listener Feedback or if you just want to send me your thoughts on the program. If you don't want me to read it on the air, feel free to let me know and I will exclude it from the mailbag, but I will definitely read it nonetheless. So shoot me a line if you have thoughts on the program. I'm always interested in hearing from the BOA Audio listeners. And speaking of BOA Audio listeners, I've got a little something special here for the listeners at the end of the program. I encourage you all to stay tuned to the very, very end of this edition of the show because we have a treat in store for us from BOA Audio listener Sherry Compton Myers. She's a longtime listener of the program and has recently written the book of Seraphim and Cherubim. And it sounds tremendous. Let me read you the book description for Of Seraphim and Cherubim. Monster, Phantom, Ghost. Eric Kunstler, the legendary Phantom of the Opera, still wanders the streets of Paris after sunset. Alone for over a hundred years, tired of his half-life spent in the shadows, and desperate to end his pain. He makes his way out one October night to end it all in the sign. This is the story of what 
and who changed his mind, his heart, and his life. You can find out more about Of Seraphim and Cherubim at the website of seraphimandcherubim.com. And as I said, stay tuned to the very end because Sherry has graciously supplied us with a nearly two-minute audio promo for Of Seraphim and Cherubim. Asked if I would run it here at the end of the program, and I am more than happy to help out a BOA audio listener, especially when they put the kind of work in to write their own book. So stay tuned to the very end when I wish you well and tell you you'll be hearing from me on the next edition of the program shortly thereafter. The audio promo for Of Seraphim and Cherubim will begin. Sit back, enjoy it, and check out the new book of Seraphim and Cherubim from BOA Audio listener Sherry Compton-Myers. Up next, it's time to thank the outstanding and esteemed BOA staff, Leslie, Chiron, Regan Lee, Joe V, Tina Senna, Richard Thomas, Marla Pena, Bruce Pretty, Tony Morrill, and our webmaster, Jeremy Boston. Since the last time you heard from me, we've got an all-new Esotericana from Tina Senna, titled Of Gods and Monsters and the Things Unknown. Additionally, Leslie has an all-new Gray Matters, titled A Light in the Night. So two new columns from the BOA staff. Additionally, we are sitting on an all-new piece from Richard Thomas. We should have that up soon. So if you're not stopped by Banal of America to check out the new offerings from the BOA staff, you are definitely missing out. BOA, make it a part of your everyday search for esoteric news and opinion. Now comes the time in the program where I turn to you, the BOA listeners, and ask you to help us out by making a donation. How do you do that? That's simple. There are two ways to do so. Head on over to Banal of America and click the PayPal button. That's on the left-hand side of the screen. That will take you to PayPal. They'll walk you through the process. It is safe, secure, and simple. But what if you don't trust the internet and still want to help out in all of America? There is a way you can do so. We have a P.O. Box. The address for that is Tim Benall, P.O. Box 232, Pinehurst, Mass, 01866. And you spell Pinehurst, P-I-N-E-H-U-R-S-T. You can find the complete address at Benall of America underneath the PayPal button. And if you mail us a donation, please make it payable to Tim Benall and not Benall of America because my bank is anal and they will not honor those donations. And also please include some form of correspondence so I can reach out to you and thank you for your donation. As always, it bears repeating my friends, no donation is too small and all donations go towards Benall of America and BOA Audio to help keep the entire franchise up and running freely available, and commercial-free for all of our great readers and listeners the world over. On the next edition of BOA Audio, you probably do not even need me to give you the preview, folks, because I'm looking at the calendar right now. It is December 9th. We are really a little over two weeks away from Christmas, which means it is time once again, my friends, for the BOA Audio Holiday Special. Not just any BOA Audio Holiday Special, though, of course. It is the 8th Annual BOA Audio Holiday Special 
featuring the incomparable Stanton Friedman. Beyond the Holiday Special, what do we have cooking here at Banal of America? A lot of good stuff, folks. Because as you know, we close the book on the year with our annual year in review episode with our good buddy Greg Bishop. And I have an inkling that the annual year in review episode may give us the opportunity to launch the first ever edition of Banal of America live. So you may be listening to the year in review episode live as it happens with Greg Bishop. Stay tuned for more information on that. And we've still got a tremendous three-hour conversation with longtime BOA friend Paul Kimball that remains in the till. That will be coming at you shortly, I hope. And additionally, this past week I taped an episode of the program for 2013 with a guest who shall remain nameless for now, but he's never appeared on the program before. And the moment I hung up the phone, I said to myself, that was another BOA Audio classic. So we've got an absolutely unforgettable edition of the program coming at you in the new year. So a lot of stuff here from Banal of America. Stay tuned, my friends, because the party continues through 2012 and into 2013. Beginning, of course, next time on the program the 8th annual BOA Audio Holiday Special featuring Stanton Friedman. And on that note, we close the book on this edition of the program. Once again, big, big thanks to Marie Jones and Larry Flaxman. And, of course, enormous thanks to all you folks out there, the hardcore BOA Audio listeners. I hope you're enjoying your holiday season so far. Stay tuned for holiday goodness from Banal of America coming very, very soon. And as always, thank you for your unending support of this program and for making BOA Audio a part of your esoteric audio playlist. Until next time, this is Tim Banal, thanking you for listening and signing off. It has been 130 years since the strange events at L'Opera Garnier. 110 years since the voice of Divina Dae was silenced by death. Still, there are nights when it is wise, messieurs, to walk with your hand at the level of your eyes. For his arm is not weakened, and his aim is still true. See what reviles them all. See why you cannot have companionship. See, Eric, remember... That was the mask I pitied, Eric. Never the one I could see, but the one over your heart. What will he do when he meets a woman for whom the mask and the legends hold no fear? Who will stand and face him, even at his worst? No classic beauty, no divine voice, but a power to be reckoned with in her own right. And what will happen when their life together, just beginning, is threatened. They will take the cost. She is mine, and no one will take her from me. No one! Of Serebin and Cherubin, an alternative tale of the Phantom of the Opera by Sherry Compton Myers, coming in December 2013.
2012. For more details, updates, and sneak peeks, go to www.seraphimandcherubim.com. There is no music without you, Sarah.